You are listening to United and Resilient, a podcast designed to help heal and support the El Paso community. I am your host, Oscar Arriaga, Outreach Coordinator for the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, a program of United Way of El Paso County. We are dedicated to serve those who are impacted directly or indirectly by August 3rd. Join us on the journey to long-term recovery as we have honest conversations with local leaders, mental health specialists, and fellow Pasoans who share their stories and expertise. We feature topics that influence and impact the vitality and resilience of our community. We are El Paso United and together we heal. Juntos sanamos. Dear listener, before we begin, a note of warning. The topic we are about to explore contains a mention of the mass casualty events and a description of the events that unfolded thereafter. This episode may not be suitable for everyone. Please note any views or opinions shared in this program are personal and belong solely to the individual and do not represent the United Way of El Paso County or the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This episode will be dedicated to personal growth with mental health. We will learn our continuous process of growing ourselves to achieve our greatest ability is vital to our mental health, success, and happiness. All of us have the ability to better control our emotions and negative thoughts. A range of different topics will be discussed from how to overcome laziness to finding peace and contentment with the things we cannot change. Joining us is Dr. Jorge Marquez, Director of Training and Staff Psychologist at the University of Texas at El Paso. Dr. Marquez is from El Paso, born and raised in El Paso, and is currently the Assistant Director of the Counseling and Psychological Services Center. He received his PhD in Clinical Community Psychology from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. His pre-doctoral psychology internship at Wasatch Mental Health in Provo, Utah, and of course continue with his postdoctoral training in, at Counseling and Psychological Services at UTEP and currently teaches master level classes for the Counseling, Special Education, and Educational Psychology Department at UTEP. Very extensive bio, I must say. Welcome, Dr. Marcus. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. No, no, thank you for being here and to be able to talk about this topic about the benefits of mental health. But before we start, can you please tell us about yourself, your profession, and share with us your academic and your professional achievements that you have and please also include your journey to becoming a staff psychologist at UTEP. Sure, absolutely. I am a native El Pasoan, so I definitely was born and raised here on the border. Again, my family is, is from here, also from Mexico, so it's a good combination. You're know, growing up being able to go across the border to places in Juarez and in Chihuahua where my family is. But you know, most of my, my school was done here in, in El Paso. When I started college, I came straight here to UTEP. I majored in psychology. Since the beginning, that was an interest that I had. I grew up the oldest brother. I have three younger brothers, so it was four of us with a single mom. And I don't know if that naturally made me kind of like a caregiver, having to oversee them. And so I always had this interest about helping others, listening to others, and I always just had an interest in human behavior, right? right. Wanting to find out why do people act the way they do? 
why do we struggle the way that we do and what can help us get better when we are encountering challenges. You know, and then coming to UTEP and being in the classes for the first time learning about psychology really just piqued my interest. And of course, professors along the way encouraged me, said, you know, if you want to have a career in psychology and become a psychologist, whether that's doing research or doing clinical work, you have to pursue a, a higher degree and get right. a master's or a doctorate degree. And so that led me, you know, a course with great mentorship here at, at UTEP. I worked with Dr. Michael Sarate, um, one of the professors in the psychology department. He provided great mentorship and, you know, encouraged me to go and, and apply to graduate schools. And I was fortunate enough to be admitted to the University of Illinois at their clinical psychology program. My advisor there, his name was Dr. Jorge Ramirez. And so he was also here from the border area. So, you know, from El Paso himself. And so it's a great connection to be able to work there with him. And it was interesting going to Illinois, but still doing a lot of research and clinical work with Latino families. The opportunity came to come back here to UTEP to work at the Counseling and Psychological Services Center, which was used to be called the University Counseling Center. Okay. What a blessing that would be, right, to be able to come back home to work with other students. I'm a first-generation student. So a lot of the students that we serve are first-generation. A great honor to be able to come back and to serve them and to work with them. I'm about to start my 10th year here at the Counseling Centers. It's been wonderful. I'm Like I said, I'm a now a assistant director here, and I oversee the, the training aspects of our of the counseling center and so with that you know about half my time is dedicated to serving our campus community doing therapy individual group therapy crisis intervention with our students but then i oversee our training program and so we have quite a bit of interns and practicum students from different departments the social work department psychology department the counseling psych department but then our internship program also brings in students from all over the country it is bittersweet because we love the students coming in and becoming part of our little therapy family here and then after a year you know they graduate and they move on we've been fortunate to keep some of them here with us and so that's great but you know most of them do end up moving on to whatever they have to do so it's always sad at the end of the year saying goodbye to them but then it's very exciting when they come in mm -hmm. for the first time and, and then we get to work with them and so i oversee the training program making sure that all their competencies are met throughout the year many of them go out pursue and continue the career and do they come back to their hometown if they're from el paso that's one of the main goals of our training program is hopefully to bring back some of those individuals. So some of them, yes, they leave and then maybe we see them down the line later on. Others are coming back, you know, after they've done maybe their graduate work somewhere else. And so that internship program for the psychologists, the internship programs like that last year before they become doctors. Um, kind of like a residency program, you know, and so some of them are local and they stay here and then others are coming from out of town. And thank you for taking us through that journey. We want to learn about mental health. We hear it, we want to know more about it. And that's what I want to ask you. Let's begin with what is mental health? Not only in our community, but in the entire nation. How does it contribute to our own personal development? I think to me, mental health refers to our emotional, social, and mental well-being. And it contributes to our personal development because it affects how we think, how we feel, how we act. You know, and, and this is all while we're coping with all the different events that happen in our lives. You know, there are three aspects to personal development that I learned. There's the physical, the mental, and the emotional aspects. Some of us, of course, we prioritize to improving our minds or bodies. We go to the gym or we do Sudoku or crossword puzzles. But what is the benefit to give equal attention to all the three areas, to the physical, mental, and the emotional? Well, I think it's important to give attention to all three aspects because all three aspects will impact each other, right? They're all related to one another. 
if we don't have good physical well-being, we won't feel good emotionally, we won't feel good mentally, we won't perform well mentally. So it's important that we, and the same thing goes for the other ones, right? If we're not paying attention to our emotional well-being, we won't feel good physically or mentally. And then the same thing, if we're not attending to our mental well-being, we're not thinking right, we're not feeling right, and then we may not have the energy to do any physical activity. So I think it's very important that all three of them are given attention to because they all impact one another. If you miss one, it would impact the other one, of course. Say you, you don't do the, the physical, that would impact, of course, the mental and emotional. Absolutely, because even just thinking about going to the gym, right, and saying, I'm yeah. just going to work on my physical aspects. Well, you know, they, they talk about the mental power and the willpower while you're in there, right? You have to concentrate, you have to have your routine. And that requires thinking, that requires feeling good about yourself. So again, all three are always at play with one another. So does being in good physical health, eating a balanced diet and getting regular exercise affect mental health? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's again, because our mental and emotional well-being are tied to our physical well-being too. So it's very important to attend to our physical well-being because that that's directly impacting our emotional and mental well-being. Everything impacts the other, like you said. How can we organize our minds and ideas and thoughts to make sense of the world we live in daily? Well, you know, our minds are working all day and all night. So we do carry a heavy load of thoughts, ideas. You know, we're constantly problem solving. You know, even when we're asleep, our dreams, right? That's our, our mind at work. So we're constantly making sense of the world. And that means that we're always coping with the stresses of life. So we need to make time to plan, to organize, so that we're not getting mentally overwhelmed. Um, it's a good idea to take mental breaks as well so that we don't burn out mentally. How do you take mental breaks? Well, I think what you mentioned earlier, maybe having different activities for ourselves, right? So crossword puzzle, something that might be leisure okay. because we're constantly dealing with stress, right? That's work, family responsibilities, personal responsibilities. You know, there's finances, there's our relationships, our friendships. So our mind is constantly at work. It's very important that we give our mind that break. And that could be, you know, something as simple as watching TV, right? We're concentrating on a show, listening to music, listening to a podcast. Then there's even some that are a little bit more specific. So puzzles, crossword puzzles, video games for some individuals. That's so again, just taking those mental breaks that are a little bit more recreational or more leisure for an individual. Those are good tips. Being here at UTEP, you work daily with the university students. Do you notice an, an impact of mental health on personal growth? For example, do you see a difference? Students begin a class on the first day or the first week, development or any change yeah, you know, absolutely. We, we see this on a daily basis. Um, you know, mental health is part of academic performance. Mm -hmm. So when students are having difficulties with their mental health, we see them also having struggles with their academic performance, with their academic functioning. And so, yes, definitely. For the most part, we see students who tend to start the semesters refreshed, mentally strong. They're motivated. They're excited. But, you know, as the semesters progress, the work gets more difficult and then students have to deal with a lot more both academically and then maybe even personally right they tend to get a little bit overwhelmed so their mental health is affected and if students are not attending to their mental health we see them and you know they start struggling academically and with that you know then they start feeling bad about themselves um, so it's a very it's very common then for them to become physically ill at the end of the semesters as well i know that would happen to me i don't know for you like you know in high school and in college like when the breaks would would happen that's when i would kind of maybe get like the flu or a cold it's true yes you know i went through that too yeah i remember right so then during the semesters like our, our bodies and our minds are pushing through and once they get to that break and that might be too because we're not really attending to our well-being through the semester 
one affects the other. And I understand physical exercise can help get rid of laziness. But how about mental laziness? Is laziness a mental disorder? Or what is the difference between being lazy or depressed? That's a great question. For me, laziness is used to describe someone who you know, is unwilling to work, they can't exert energy, or they don't engage in activities. So it's not a mental disorder. It's not something that could be diagnosed. I think what we hear it more is a description of somebody. And it usually has a negative connotation, right? None of us want to be called lazy. Right. I think what we should be asking is what is behind the laziness of an individual? If we're seeing somebody who's lazy, right? Are they lazy because they just don't want to do something? Are they, you know, taking advantage of somebody else do something for me? But a lot of what we see in our practice is that individuals are being impacted by mental and emotional stress. So someone might call a person lazy, but in reality, they might be struggling mentally and emotionally. So that person doesn't have the energy, right? The mental, physical energy to engage or complete tasks. So something that could help with laziness, again, planning, when to do things, scheduling, organizing, those are thrown around quite a bit, but those are kind of like a good basis to help someone overcome laziness and to become more productive. You are listening to United and Resilient. We'll be right back with our guest, Dr. Jorge Marquez. Now, we shift to our intermission segment of Where Were You on August 3rd with our guest, Alberto Ruiz. He is the interim director with the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center and shares his personal story of the August 3rd, 2019 tragedy. Uh, my name is Alberto Ruiz, and I am the interim director at the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. On August 3rd, that specific morning, I was uh, assisting in repatriations of Mexican nationals at the Downtown Bridge Border Patrol Station. Back then I was a migrant protection consular officer. No, I would say like, like around like 10, 17 or so, a little bit after 10, definitely. Um, Everyone at the Border Patrol Station started gearing up. People from like the Border Patrol Station at the Downtown Bridge were attending to it. I assume it was outside, like it was there at the bridge. Uh, but it was about 15 or 20 minutes when uh, I started watching on TV that um, it had been at the Cielo Vista Walmart. To me, like that was that was a shocker because my spouse works at at Cielo Vista, but and I still needed to continue assisting people who had more pressing matters because they were being they were being repatriated. And luckily, I had been appointed as the point of contact for the Office of Emergency Management. People had been had started arriving there at the reunification center already. So what I did is I I went and told people, if you are Mexican and you need to contact a family member to let them know you are okay and you're not able to, I have a cell phone that you can use. Shortly after that, uh, I started receiving phone calls from Mexico of people looking for, uh, for their loved ones who, um, who were supposed to be at Walmart. By 6 p.m. I had already a list of about 35 or 40 people that we were able to, to, to share with, uh, with the Department of Public Safety and the FBI. I couldn't fathom or truly understand the, like, what it was or had it had been. Um, I just, I actually just went to, I was tired, I guess. 
and I knew that I needed to wake up the morning after at seven to go um, to go serve at the hospitals. It was the morning after that when it started hitting me, and I remember driving the driving down the freeway. That's the first time I saw a sign that said El Paso Strong, and and it hit me, and I th- and, and I think I, I started crying. It hit me like. I don't know, I still have a hard time, like I have a lot of emotions telling you this story. I think it hit me and it made me, and it made me cry because it's become something that you add to the name of a town or a city who's been the victim of a mass violence attack. That normalization and knowing that like my beloved El Paso was part of that club, I think it hurt. It hurt more than anything else to know that a city who's known for being so loving, so open, had been had been attacked, like had been had been violated. Like that sanctity of this town that a lot of people say it's a sanctuary city. But it's because people here are loving, they're welcoming. We are we are a really tightly knit community. Uh, and someone who had nothing to do with it drove to to inflict that wound upon the community. And I think that that hurt, that hurt a lot. Th- those feelings of, of despair and being the victimization that I experienced, like the first time I saw the El Paso strong and what it meant to me, uh, were, were replaced by hope. Uh, it, was, it, it was definitely uh, a loss of innocence for El Paso. It was a before and after, before August 3rd, 2019. We would have never imagined that something like that happened. But when that happened here, like I, I do feel like it was a loss of innocence for the city, and and that brought us closer together. It it showed us that we we're just like any other city in the United States, and we need to we need to watch after each other and look after each other. Whatever their experience, because of what happened on August third, it's. It's natural to feel the way they do after something like that happens. But it's not normal to carry it your whole life. And there is help for you to heal and move on at your own pace and find long-term healing. But us, as a city, as as a community, we can move forward knowing that we've got each other that uh, El Paso is a city like no other city in the United States where we look after each other, we are proud of who we are and what we have going on within our city. Uh, We're loving, we're caring. We are here to help. And like the slogan here of our Family Resiliency Center is, um, together we heal and um, we will be happy to serve you and assist you in your long-term healing. We now return to our united and resilient guest, Dr. Jorge Marquez. Having your agenda of when to begin the day, what to do throughout the day, and when to stop. Yes, starting with an agenda would be very helpful. And you know, and it varies from individuals. Okay. Some individuals like to have a lot of routine, okay. right? So their agenda might be full of things. For other individuals, for myself included, I'm not a big kind of organized type of person with a very detailed agenda. However, you know, we have a work schedule, right? With tasks and so that helps us so that we know yeah. where we're going. Mm-hmm. It helps our mind start to organize what assignments and what tasks we have to do. And then prioritizing. 
right? What do I need to do today, both at work and when I get home? Like, what are the things that need to be taken care of today versus tomorrow? So that kind of organizing and categorizing just helps us understand what comes next. I think if we don't have that, that's when we become overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And that's when we see people struggle with procrastination or, or as we're saying, laziness, but just maybe not having the energy to get to something and, and be productive. The agenda that we have at work is very different, of course, to the agenda we have at home. Over the weekend, we get our chores done, cut the grass, other household items. We could be mentally trained at work. Can that carry on to being at home? Absolutely, it definitely can. And that's why it's very important that we're attending to our you know, mental well-being at, at all times. Hopefully at work, we're getting breaks, right? And maybe we, you know, asking a supervisor, working with a supervisor for a schedule that's not just, that's so, so, busy and stressful. I mean, we need to have the breaks, whether it's a lunch break or those little mini breaks that we could have throughout the day. And then when we get home, it's very important that we try to leave the mental stress from work at work because it will affect, again, our relationships, our energy, our, again, just our interactions at home with loved ones, with friends. And so we really have to make time to say, okay, I'm going to get home, maybe take a break. Um, diet is a very important thing as well, right? Getting that energy replenished with some fuel. And just again, making time for recreational activity at home as well is very, very important. How do you show mental growth? Uh, what are the strategies to building mental strength? Does one strategy lead to the next? Are there any small steps to practice before moving on to the next level of mental growth? Yeah, you know, mental growth is, is something interesting. I think it could be demonstrated by our lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. So for me, mental growth, you know, means it's the skills, the knowledge, the abilities that we acquire throughout life. So I think we can build mental strength by being open to learning new things. You know, we have to be active. We have to be open-minded. You know, one of the things is, that helps with that is making social connections with others. Internally or for an individual, we also need to attend to our five senses. Right. So that's one way we could mentally grow is soothing our five senses with things that bring us joy, pleasure and relaxation. And so, you know, we do a lot of these activities sometimes where through all the five senses, you know, you try to, you know, soothe them and appease them. Um, And as we were saying, also, I think it's very important to prioritize self-care and leisure activities. I mean, give those, you know, some importance. And I think growing up, that's where we get a little bit. We feel guilty. You know, and I see it a lot in our students where we tell them, hey, you know, I know you're overwhelmed doing a lot of work and, and homework and you're working. What about leisure time? And it's like, oh my gosh, what do you mean about that? Like, I can't, I can't engage in that. You know, my parents have taught me not to do that. That's laziness. You know, society, which, you know, emphasizes work and education, doesn't sometimes look positive at leisure activities. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we have to also, we've been working with our students to reprogram them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I feel, I've, you know, right. when I was yeah. studying, it's like, oh, should I be studying doing homework or, or not this video game? You know, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit guilty, but, but what it is, it's replenishing the batteries. And I think everything okay. with moderation, obviously if somebody's playing a video game for five days straight mm-hmm. and has neglected their responsibilities, you know, that could be an issue. But we're talking about here, again, going back to organizing and planning and scheduling both work activities and then also your leisure hobbies. Oh, very good. Working here at the university, of course, you work with the students and where can a, a university student get help? And also not, not only them, but a community member that's not attending UTEP, where can they get help? Thank you for asking. I think our university students should know that, again, the Counseling Center, so the Counseling and Psychological Services Center here at UTEP, we're located 202 Union West. Um, we're open Monday through Friday, 
8 to 5. We serve students in person or through telehealth. So there's options for them. If they can't come make it to campus, we could see them online. But if you can see us in person, then we're, we're here again five days a week. We also have a 24-hour crisis line that students can call in the evening or on weekends where they can talk to a live counselor. That number, it's, it's we call it the Minors Talk Crisis Line, and it's 915-747-5302, and it's essentially also our counseling center phone number. Our website, you know, students can Google YouTube Counseling Center, and our website also has several resources and referral information for anyone looking for mental health information and resources on there. And I think for our community members, I know that we have the Emergence Network Health Hotline. That's a great resource to call if community members find themselves having emotional distress. Um, and I believe the number is 915-779-1800. Um, and I know that I've connected community members to, again, the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. That might be a great place, right, that you know, Oscar, to get connected with mental health resources here in the community. Yes, thank you uh, very much. Now we're, we're coming towards the end of the interview. And one of the questions I ask every guest is, can you provide us a message of hope to the El Paso community since our tragedy of August 3rd? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the tragedy of August 3rd was, was very heartbreaking and devastating to our community. I think each and every one of us really was affected by that. Um, I see El Paso, though, as a community of hope because we saw the people of El Paso come together after the shooting on August 3rd. So for me, hope is found in the good that people do when these atrocities occur. I think we can find hope by continuing to be a community that cares for one another, being a community that pays attention to people's distress, and where we offer support and care to those who may be suffering. We need to continue to be aware and speak up when someone may not be doing so well. So again, we can reduce the chance of tragedies occurring, you know, somebody harming themselves or somebody harming someone else. That's what I love about El Paso is that we do care for one another. And so if we just continue to engage in that caring behavior, that's going to bring the hope that we need. Very true. El Paso is a, a caring community. And thank you, Dr. Marcus. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, your expertise, your message of, of hope for the city and how to continue with our own mental health. Thank you for being here. No, thank you so much. It was an honor and a pleasure. Again, any support or any questions anybody has, you all can always reach out to us here at the Counseling and Psychological Services Center here at Utah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Marcus. And thank you everyone for listening. As we learned, all of us are works in progress and it takes effort and dedication to grow and evolve in a positive direction. Fortunately, there's never a bad time to set new goals for yourself and it's never too late to pick up a habit that can improve your well-being for the rest of your life. Whether you are dealing with stress, working through relationship struggles, or simply trying to change your life in small ways, there are many strategies available to help you be the best version of yourself. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at El Paso United FRC, where you can learn more about our commitment to the community's long-term recovery. I'm signing off, and I will see you soon.